Welcome to Geographical Thinking, a podcast full of ideas, stories, and conversations through the lens of geography. I'm your host, Guan Yu. The pandemic made it evident that health systems need to change. Health professionals and policymakers were forced to seek better ways to connect people with healthcare, making services more efficient, accessible, and equitable. Joining me today to discuss how GIS's spatial analysis has been leveraged for public health in Newfoundland and Labrador is Mark Squires, GIS analyst at Newfoundland and Labrador Health Services. Hello, Mark. Welcome to Geographical Thinking. Hi. Thank you very much. In early 2023, an app you created got really popular in your local communities. Many people shared it on their social media. CBC reported about it. Tell us what it's about. So the app that I, I built、um, was Find an Aloxone Kit. You know, the application was pretty much、uh, established to help individuals be able to find、um, you know naloxone kits within the, in the province for anyone who needs it for opioid problems or overdoses and different things like that. Now the original application was originally generated in 2017, but in June last year we did a kind of a, a refresh and a kind of a, a repost of the application. Now there wasn't much kind of、um, public release of the application, so it kind of you know never got to see the, you know you know the public、uh, as much as I wanted. Unfortunately, around a little bit later that time, there were some unfortunate、um, overdoses in in,、uh, in the province regarding opioids. Um, it was on the local news streams, and I just seen it on Twitter one day. And I seen you know overdoses, overdoses, and I just simply said, "Okay, this is a chance. This is able how to get this application out there." And I just retweeted it and said, "Okay, if anyone needs an assistance to try to figure out where you can find a、um, a naloxone kit, please view this、um, application." That went viral.、Uh, I guess it got retweeted and retweeted and looked at and. By the time I looked, there was twenty-five thousand retweets and views of it, and then it just kind of snowballed after that. If I can help anyone, if this application is out there, and if anyone's in in dire need, or if they know someone who's in in dire need, if, if I'm helping just one individual and save them from actually having an overdose and and fortunately, you know, passing away, then that application has done has done its job already. Wow, the app you built、uh, about the location of Naloxone Kid—it just shows that how presenting the information in a different way can, you know, go a long way to help people, making them aware of the resources that they need. I hear that GIS played a much bigger role during the pandemic to connect resource with people. Can you talk more about that? Oh, the pandemic. Yes, I think COVID nineteen has really showed how GIS. Can really leverage public health and be able to, you know, show different information.、Um, you know, for us here in Newfoundland and Labrador, we started with a collaboration with myself, Peter Hearns, Brett Forsey, and, and Andrew Eaton. We were the first creators of the COVID nineteen hub for Newfoundland and Labrador, and it was just a great, really easy to use application that showed the province, you know, where the cases are in the province, areas of obviously high cases, low cases. And then it kind of funneled down into、um, areas where、um, for vaccination rates,、um, locations where people can go get their you know you know their vaccinations. And、um, it took a lot of our data and presented it to the general public in a very easy to use process. And again, it, it came to the point where everybody was waiting for twelve o'clock noon every day to see the update on the hub. You know, are there new cases? Unfortunately, are there any more deaths? How are our vaccination rates in the province? 
So it was a great piece of work, and we, you know, we had a really great team behind it, and we put a lot of our time and effort towards it. I remember Newfoundland and Labrador is one of the first provinces that have their COVID-19 dashboard and hub sites up and having a daily updates. It was something that, you know, that we really took pride in. Um, and we, we really made a conscious effort to make this a very, very easy application to use, but again, informative to the, you know, the general public. How was the information and the information products was leveraged by internal stakeholders? Were they familiar with GIS and what GIS can do for public health at that point? At that point, maybe not. They, they understood what a map was, you know, getting the hub ready, getting some online vaccination maps. You can, you know, when you present sometimes they're like, oh, wow, this is really neat. But it came to the point where, and especially our vaccination maps, our vaccination maps were internally were, were used um, quite often. We, we break our, our province down into uh, kind of 40 catchment areas. Um, so at that time, especially doing the vaccination maps, we wanted to track obviously areas that are obviously high in vaccination rates, as well areas that are kind of, you know, are, are lagging behind. Um, so, you know, the great thing with these maps, then, you know, the uh, internal executive team, they could notice that there's particular areas of the province that are, are quite low in vaccination. And at the time, they'd have to use other methods to get um, people vaccinated. I know uh, um, Bill Island is kind of an isolated island off the coast, and it typically always has kind of, a, you know, some low vaccination rates for um, numerous different reasons, of, of course, being a, an isolated island. So, you know, they've actually set up a mobile clinic to go over there and, and try to get, you know, get those vaccination rates high. And again, that's, that's the, you know, the beauty of this, of that interactive map and getting that, you know, that daily um, data dump, right? They, you can literally see if their actual, um, you know, their, their mobile units and their, were actually having an effect. So tying that near real-time information and presented very visually helped speed up and, and build confidence in the decisions that are made about logistics and vaccination and workforce uh, dispatch. Absolutely. Take us back in time uh, at when you first started this job. Like, how was it GIS? Was GIS baked into public health unit from the get-go? How was it, you know, what was it like to be the only GIS person in this this team? Where do you start to educate others in your team about uh, the technology. You know, it's kind of funny when I when I when I joined the role, I even had to kind of learn on myself. I was like, "What is GIS and health?" You know, I can remember doing some research on my own and getting on the Esri pages and and reading about you know the use of of GIS and leveraging GIS in public health and and you know watching videos of Dr. Esther Garrity and, and different things like that. And and again, at the center, they knew they needed GIS, but I don't think they really understood the capabilities. At that time, they simply, you know, okay, we have all this data in Excel files and tables. Can we just put it on a map somewhere? So at the time, it was really strictly a kind of a visual, you know, dots on a map kind of thing. And it really didn't really be able to understand how you can layer different information, do some spatial analysis, and go a little bit further. So there was a lot of, there was, there was a feeling out period. That, you know, people had to understand what exactly GIS was. I had to understand what an epidemiologist did. And we kind of, kind of, you know, met in the middle. And, you know, again, the more we felt comfortable, you know, with each other, the more we kind of expanded our projects. Do you remember that first project that kind of opened their eyes um, of what GIS can do for them? When you're working with GIS and health, I think there's a couple of different stepping stones. And the first 
major stepping stone, I think, is getting it from the static map stage to the online map stage. And then I was trying forever to kind of figure out what to do, what to do, and, and get people on board. And, uh, and a project came about where um, we were dealing with a project called the Pharmacy Network. And the Pharmacy Network involved having all of our pharmacies within the province um, connected and as well as, so if, if, if someone went to a pharmacy in St. John's or someone went to a pharmacy in Cornerbrook, all their information would be connected across the entire province. As well, they, they wanted some information on, on, on pharmacy locations that provided naloxone treatments and different things like that for opioids. The manager at the time, he asked me to create some maps for um, the Minister of Health. And he, at the time, he was said he wanted something obviously static. This is all we were doing at the time. And, you know, at the time, I was... I was stressing out because I said, how many maps I'm going to have to make and scales and different things like that. And I said, this is, this is my opportunity. So I, I went to him. I said, look, I'm going, to tr- I'm going to do something. Please trust me. I'm going to create an online application. All the pharmacies are going to be in there. You'll be able to click on a pharmacy, get all the associated information. You'll know when that pharmacy got connected to the pharmacy network, if it provides naloxone, hours of operation. And he said, sure, go for it. And uh, he presented it. The minister loved it. Um, never seen anything like that before, and then that's when the snow, snowball began. Got back to our executive team, and after then, I think there was that kind of, um, they believed in some of the things that I was kind of telling them from the beginning, that we can kind of do this with online applications, especially with some public data. And then our, I think the next step was doing our influenza clinics, and uh, same kind of principle. It allowed um, all the residents of Newfoundland and Labrador to to locate clinics within the province, um, get their hours of operation, know where the clinics are, and um, and it was it was great. So that was the start, and that's you know I look back at it now where that was that kind of you know initial light bulb kind of moment, and uh, and we're doing everything um, everything online right now. So it's, it, it, that was definitely the, you know that start. If you could pinpoint what it is about the online map or online applications that piqued the interest of those executive decision makers, what would you say they are? Like why in comparison to static maps, the online version is so much more appealing? I think it's just the ease of use. You know, the key thing uh, as well, when I make make applications, I make sure they're very easy to use as well, right? You know, I've always said you have a, a very small, finite window um, that someone will open something up and be able to use it and understand it. And if not, if they don't, then they're simply not going to open it again. But everybody's used to being online. Google Maps and all these other applications, you're looking for a restaurant, you're looking for anything else, you're looking directions. People are people are using you, are used to online base maps. So you're getting that same kind of look and feel, and you're putting public health information on top of it. And it's just an easy easy way to get that information out to everyone. Again, and then people can put them on their iPads and their phones, and they're so accessible right now, and, and the data travels so easily, right? I, you know, I think it's it's just real-time data right away, and they can have it in, deni- in many different formats. And I think that's that's the main appeal to uh, definitely the executive team. Tell us more about the recent projects um, that you're occupied with. So I just finished a really great project on congenital anomalies, birth defects. So that was a, a really great project showing, I guess, some various of the different birth defects over a five-year period, you know, within Newfoundland and Labrador. So it, that project has some different components and an interactive map showing the different rates within a province. We finished a telehealth 
project just prior to COVID, and that's going to get updated now shortly. Um, it was a really good application, and it was something that was very well used, so where in, individuals can kind of access telehealth information if you couldn't get to a, you know your physician, simply be able to find a location where you can have that one-on-one you know, through your computer or, or some other form so you can actually get a hold of a, some kind of physician or nurse practitioner. And so we have we have some other things on the on, on our on our plate too. So you know we have some our, our chronic disease project that we're going to work on and our patient connect program. So there's a, many different projects that are are on the loop and things I'm working on right now. How do these projects come about? Are there health professionals? You know they're looking at specific research questions, and because they get to know you and the work that you have done, then they will come to you, kind of recruit you on their team to join their their research. I'm not sure if my uh, if my manager has this little kind of card out. And this is what Mark can do, but you know, it's one of those things where um, you know, especially when when I started originally with the influenza clinics, that kind of got spread across the entire uh, organization. And then at that time, a lot of the other different groups were saying, "Oh, wow, we could we could do something. We should be able to you know do something very similar." And again, other. Um, other health professionals have, have come across some of my work. It's been shared uh, through different organizations, different groups, and just people pick it up and they say, hey, Mark, do you think you can be able to try to do something? And I mean, usually it's some kind of sit down, a collaboration and kind of, you know, um, brainstorm and figure if I can help out in any way. And things are just growing and growing and growing. And, and you know, a lot of times when I'm, you know, when we get something that, you know, pans across the entire province, a lot of different eyes are looking at them and they're saying, okay, this is something that we should be able to try and do. So yeah, it's, you know, especially with the congenital anomalies, that was a, a clinical epidemiologist from Eastern Health came to me and said, look, we have some data. Is there any way you can be able to do something? And he always said, do your genius magic on it. And, uh, and it was a great project and we were able to be able to show some really great information. Right. So I think the pandemic gets many people to associate GIS with dashboard. And usually that's the result of the work that we do. And we, as a GIS professional, we know that GIS is, is a process. It contributes to how we think, the questions we ask. So in this, in this case, in this project, does it prompt the epidemiologist different questions to ask? Or what kind of insight does it, did it provide to them that they did not expect um, before, you, you know, I, I think that's the next step, and, and we actually d- discussed how to kind of take that project a little bit further. So, you know, we're, you know, we're displaying some of the, you know, the rates among these different anomalies across the province, and then the next question is, okay, why are these rates high? Um, is there is there something else going on in these communities? And that's something where you do kind of a, d- a deeper dive. You do kind of a little, a little bit of a community profile you know, what's the typical average um, population, education, access to primary care. There's, you know, then you start layering all all the different, you know, information and figure out is there a cause, right? So I think that's the kind of next step is trying to kind of take that some information that we have. Okay, these are the rates. These are the reasons that are, you know, these are the particular anomalies that are high in the province. Let's dive a little bit deeper and figure out why. And again, when you kind of figure out if there's a, some kind of cause, then you can kind of kind of work towards kind of a preventative option, right? Can is so, so these rates are high. Can we, any way we can get these rates lower? Is there a situation that we maybe need to look in and probably put a clinic somewhere or 
another kind of preventative measure, you know. So I think that's the next step. And, and again, it's something that, again, we'll take away and we'll kind of look at and see what we can do a little bit further. If you were to predict the fastest growth areas of GIS in public health, what would they be? Yeah, I think health planning is always going to be something going to be really interesting and new. Trying to understand, you know, you know, we're doing a, a situation right now, especially with our Patient Connect program, you know, trying to figure out where the location of some new primary health care clinics may be. And that's just trying to figure out if there's areas in need based on some of the numbers that we have doing the RGIS analysis. I think ArcGIS indoors is an interesting thing that I need to get my head wrapped around and just be able to kind of track patients and employees within within a healthcare facility. I think that's going to be really important. And I'm really interested in seeing how to in- incorporate GIS and spatial analysis within like an EMR or an EHR. Like a, I think that's going to be really a really neat function as well. So I've had some initial discussions a couple of years ago with some people on our team regarding that process. And again, COVID hit and then everything got stopped for a little bit. But I really like to open up those discussions again and figure out how we can help each other out for sure. I hear lots of passion in, you know, you hearing you talking about your work. And you mentioned when you just started on this journey, you were kind of alone there. You were looking for more people who are doing similar things. So before we say goodbye, what would you say to your fellow GIS professionals who work in the health area, especially those who just started their career? You know, there's no white paper of how to do this. There's no step-by-step procedure of how to deal being a GIS health professional. You know, network, try to find people who are in, in, you know, uh, similar positions. And when you have the opportunity to show some of the work that's being done, grab that opportunity. You know, when I started, I used to send out like an email probably once a week to everyone on our team. And it was simply a link to some of the GIS health work that's being done, you know, down in the United States. And maybe people looked at it, maybe people didn't. But, you know, I made sure to keep that that interest level high. And then I used to get some 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 emails trickle in thinking, oh, yeah, that's interesting. That's that's cool. That's interesting. And then that just snowballed after that. I think GIS and health is a really fascinating stream of GIS. And I think we're only starting to really get an idea how powerful it can, it can be. And again, I think COVID, COVID-19 really showed the importance of GIS and health. And I think we've taken that now and taken it to another level. So, um Yeah, some really interesting things to come for sure. We're looking forward to see more information products coming out from you and to see more health GIS professionals be inspired. Thank Thank you you. very much, Mark, for your time today and, and sharing with us your story. Glad to be here. Thank you. Mark Squires is a GIS analyst at Newfoundland and Labrador Health Services. You can learn more at NLCHE. I.nl.ca. This podcast is brought to you by Esri Canada, a technology company that empowers people and organizations by the science of where. Bye for now.